Uh, go with us to John, please, the 8th chapter, John chapter 8 and 31, says, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This 32nd verse is quoted oft times by itself, but how many can see it goes with this verse, verse 31, they go together. And really when you say you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free, that's speaking to disciples, isn't it? Disciples. Now as we've gone over repeatedly, is the person a disciple because they believe in Jesus? No, you see the 31st verse. He said to those Jews that believed on him. So they are believing on him. But then he says, if you continue in my word, you'll be or you'll become my disciples indeed. Then are you my disciples indeed. And then, we might say, you'll know the truth. And that word know is the word for experience. You'll experience the truth and the truth will make you free. When and how will you experience the truth? You are continuing, we could say it like this, you are doing, living His Word, being a disciple. And as you do the Word as a way of life and as a disciple of the Master, you experience truth. Not just hear about it, not just take notes on it, you experience it. And as you experience truth, what does it do to you? It makes you free. Could you be any freer than you are sitting right here in this place today? The answer is absolutely yes. How? Well, have you experienced the fullness of all the truth there is to experience? No. What does that mean? You can be more free than you are right now. How will you come into this freedom? Just what we're reading right here. If you continue in his word. If you become his disciple. How many would say I'm freer now than I was five years ago? Or ten years ago? Oh. The testimonies in this room alone. Of how God. Oh. I just know in my spirit. There were people in here you talk about in bondage. Oh man. Habits. Sin. Bondage. Condemnation, shame, just basket cases. Some folk thought hopeless cases. But here you are. Here you are. Sitting up in church on a Sunday morning. Saved and in your right mind. (laughs) Come on now. Look at you. (laughs) Why? You got a hold of some words. You not only believed it, you became a doer of it. You begin to live by it and put it into practice. And you experienced the power of the word to make you free. Well, we have not arrived at the fullness of this. We've just gotten started good along the path. There is much more of this to experience. 
Go to Luke 6, please. Luke 6, verse 40. Now, what is the purpose of becoming a disciple? Luke 6 talks about it. Luke 6 and verse 40. The disciple, he said, is not above his master. Now, a lot of people think that is would be unnecessary to say, but it must be necessary. Jesus said it. People say, well, I don't, you don't have to tell me that I'm never going to be above the master. Well, no, there's more than one side to that, like we touched on last week. There are a lot of people who are thinking that they could have results like the master got, but not live like he lived. And that would be thinking you're above him. You know, that he needed to pray. He needed to keep his body under. He needed to check in with the Father all the time. And always do what pleased him and only say what he said. But you can do whatever strikes your head and watch 20 hours of TV and never pray and not know the word and get the same results that Jesus got. Well, no, you're not above the master. If he had to do it, you're going to have to do it to get the results he had. The servant's not above his master. But everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Is it possible for us to live like the master lived? To become as he is? Look at the Amplified. Amplified of verse 40 here. A pupil is not superior to his teacher. But everyone, when he is completely trained, readjusted, restored... Set to rights and perfected will be like his teacher. Is it possible for you to be like the master? When? Now see, that's the part people get a little weak on. <laughs> readjusted. You reckon we could use some readjustment? Restoration. Being set to rights. Perfected. For what purpose? To what end? To be like him, like the master. That's the whole point of being a disciple, is to become like the master. Go to 1 John, please. 1 John, 4th chapter. 1 John 4. Now there are, you could divide all believers into three groups in talking about this particular subject. One, we've got millions of folks throughout the whole world. They are believers, but that's it. It stops right there. They believe in Jesus. They believe that He's real. They believe in what He did. They believe that it paid the price for their salvation, and they have confessed Him and taken Him as Savior. But that's it. They are believers. A lot of folks don't even see that there's anything else. They come to church sometimes. They read their Bible, not much. They pray some, especially if you get in trouble. And to them the big thing is, I believe in Jesus. 
But that's it. That's the end. They're oblivious to anything beyond it. And it's sad. Because we were not just called to believe. And that's it. There's another group that have learned and have got a glimmer at least that we're called to something. (laughs) There's a call to become like the master. And they have come to believe that they can be like the master. That first group we talked about, they don't believe you can be. Most church-going people do not believe you can be even close to being like Jesus in this lifetime. And they've resigned themselves to that and have accepted it and say, well, you know, nobody's, you know, like Jesus. And the implication is nobody can be. And so people accept being 95% unlike Jesus. And so you've got all these folks that just don't believe it's possible to be like Jesus. Then they don't believe these verses. And then you've got other folks that they do believe it's possible, but they're just not willing to do what it takes. They're not willing to change their life that much to become like him. Then there's another group, the few. What's the Marine slogan? The few, the proud. The Marines, well, here's another group. The few, the faithful, the disciples. You want to be in that group? Believe you can be? That's the bunch who not only believes they can become like Jesus, they're willing to pay the price to become like Jesus here and now in this life. 1 John 4, are you there? 1 John 4, and down about verse uh, 17, he said, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because, read it out loud for me, as he is, so Are we, when we get to heaven, when, where, in this world? You believe it or not? Is it possible for us to think like Jesus right now here in this life? See, that's not a very strong response. You can feel that. It's like... (laughs) You know why? Because for centuries it's been preached from the pulpit that you got Jesus and you got you. And maybe in eternity you might become more like him, but in this lifetime you'll never even begin to measure up. And nobody's perfect and sad but true. Nobody's like Jesus. Oh no, oh no. That's what you're called to. That's what we're supposed to be aspiring to. That's what we're supposed to be living like, training like an Olympic athlete. Disciplined like a good soldier. 
every day to what? So as to become like Him here and now in this life, in this world. Is most of the church living like that or thinking like that? No, we can't control everybody. You can control you. You can get a hold of you. You can come, sit on the seat and say, I believe in Jesus and not change and not be like him year after year, decade after decade, like millions of folk do. Or you can get serious about this thing. I said you can get serious about this thing. And you can say, I am going to become more like Jesus every day that I'm on this planet. What's the objective? The objective is that you become so radically changed that when people see you, they see Him. Even people that don't know Him, when they hear you talk, they hear Him. You say, what if I'm not exactly like Him, you know? Well, glory to God if you were 80% like Him. Right? And you could make up another 5% and make up another. You understand what I'm saying? But people who don't even try, they're not going to be like him at all. And we've got millions of believers that are content to live and not be like him. And not try to be like him, acting like it is unattainable when it's what we're called to. I said it's what we're called to. Called to be conformed. To his image, predestinated, the Bible said, to be conformed to his likeness and his image. You're there in 1 John 4. As he is, so are we in this world. Back up to the third chapter, 3 and 1. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not. Because it knew him not. Beloved. What? Now. Are we. The sons of God. When? Like him where? Here in this world. When? Now. This is the revelation we need. Isn't it? Not just wait till we get to heaven. To be like Jesus. It was supposed to begin the day we got born again. It's supposed to be increasing and working in us powerfully. We're supposed to be living purpose-driven, disciplined lives like a highly trained athlete and soldier every day. So as to what? So as to be more like him today than we were yesterday. Think like him. Talk like him. Have faith like him. Pray like him. Minister like him. Should we be after this every day from the time our eyes come open? To the time we go to bed. Are most Christians excited about this? No. Millions don't believe it's possible. And a few that have found out about it. Not willing to commit to do what it takes to become like him. But he's looking for a few. Hmm? Few good men. Few good women. Those are not my words. It's throughout the scripture. Listen to. Don't turn there but Matthew seven fourteen. He said, straight's the gate, narrow's the way that leads to life. Few there be that find it. Few. Matthew 9, 37 says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Matthew twenty sixteen says, many are called, but few 
are chosen. Matthew twenty two fourteen says it again. Many are called, but few are chosen. Few. Have you made up your mind you're going to be one of the few? The few. The faithful. The disciples. Is that you? Will it happen just because you decide to come to church once in a while? No. No. You got to get on it. You got to be willing to make radical changes in your life. You got to be willing to be radically changed yourself. And you got to forget about this. Well, you just have to accept me the way I am. You just have to love me the way I am. Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> We're to love you, but we don't have to love all your goofy ways. We don't have to love all your ungodly junk and all the ways you're not like the Lord. We don't have to accept all that. You shouldn't accept you the way you are. <laughs> you should be on a quest every day of your life to become more everything that's not like Him. Let's get it changed. My thinking, my speaking, my believing, my praying. My everyday life. Glory to God. Somebody say more like him. Every day. He's the master. I'm his disciple. I'm following him. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Go to John please. Gospel account of John. First chapter. Gospel account of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. How many believe that? And without him was not anything made that was made. There's a lot of folk confused about creation. How many believe everything that was made? He made it. The sun, the moon, all the stars, all the solar systems, the universe as far as we've ever seen and far out beyond what we've ever seen. He made it all. You believe it? In him was life and the life was the light. Of men and the light shine in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 11 He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now we just got through reading in 1 John Where are we the sons of God? In this world, when are we the sons of God? Now are we the sons of God. To as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Those that have received him and believed on him and been born again, not of blood, like he goes on to say, or the will of man, the next verse, not just to be born again, but he gave us power in the new birth to what? To become 
a son of God. Oh, friend, we haven't seen how big this is. I said, we haven't seen how big this is. I mean, they wanted to kill Jesus for saying he was the son of God. And it makes the devil mad today for you to say you're a son of God. And it makes religious people mad. Who do you think you are? He said, he talked about him and the Father and him being the Son of God. And they said, you blaspheme. And they picked up rocks. They were going to throw them at him. He said, it's written in your law. I said, you are God's. And if that's true and the scripture can't be broken, why do you say I blaspheme? Because the one whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, I said, I am the Son of God. But they didn't get it. And a lot of folk hadn't gotten it. You're not called just to believe on Him and that's it. Those who do believe on Him and receive Him, to them He has given power. Oh, hallelujah. How can I become like Him? He's given you power. He has given you and I power to become the sons of God now. Here. In this time. Oh, friend, we need a revelation of this. We need to come into this. Grow into this. Stop talking pitiful talk. I'm just a man. What do people mean when they say that? I'm just a man. I'm only a man. I'm only a woman. What does that mean? It means don't expect much. (laughs) And don't be surprised when I sin. Don't be surprised when I say, don't be surprised that I'm nothing like Jesus. Because I'm just a man. Not if you're born again. Not if you're born again. All things have passed away. All things have become new. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's given you power to become more than just a man. To become the Son of God like Him. There was a time when He was the only begotten Son of God. Only means one. But now, now He is the firstborn. (laughs) <laughs> of many brethren. Woo! Firstborn. What does that mean? All those who've been born again have been enabled, whether they take advantage of it or not, have been empowered and enabled to become like Him, a Son of God. Oh, friend, we've barely scratched the surface of this. Barely touched this. But will it happen? Will you rise up in Christ's likeness and begin to operate like a son of God just by coming to church once in a while and sitting on the seat and watching and looking and saying amen? No, no. You got to grow beyond being just a believer and become a disciple. A learner, a follower, one who is in training daily. One who is willing to pay any price, sacrifice anything, go anywhere, 
become totally, radically changed again and again. What do we read? What was it in the Amplified? Luke 6.40. The servant's not above his master. But the one, everyone when he's what? Readjusted. Is that always comfortable? You know, see, people get tired of hearing that they're not 100% there. People get tired of being corrected, don't they? (laughs) Every day. But that's the life of a disciple, right? The life of a disciple. You're not so foolish and ignorant, are you, as to suppose you have already arrived at total Christ-like perfection right now? Then why should you be shocked that you need to change and that there's stuff that's not right? Do you want to see it? That's weak. Oh, that's weak. Do you want to see it? Do you want to know about it? Then don't get mad. Don't get your feelings hurt. Don't get upset. When every day, every day you get corrected. Every day. What does it require to be a disciple? We looked at it in Luke 14. We looked at numerous other places. It comes down to one word. Suffering. And that's why everybody's so excited about this whole series. <laughs> what does it take to be an Olympic athlete? You have to suffer some discomfort, some imposition. You have to push yourself past your comfort zones. Is that right? Pain, soreness, injury, recovery. What does it take to be a top-notch soldier? Same thing. There's some suffering involved. But the thing is, so many people in the church, they have taken that suffering doctrine and they've just messed it all up. They've twisted it all up. They've said, well, it means suffering being sick. It means suffering being broke. It means suffering being stupid. (laughs) I'm just suffering for Jesus. (laughs) No, there's a whole category of suffering for your own mistakes. And there is no glory in it. And there's no reward for it. And it doesn't put you one whit closer to being like Jesus. It's all for nothing. There's a whole lot of suffering Christians are doing. And it is for nothing. Nothing. No. It's a specific type of suffering. It's suffering. Putting your flesh under. And suffering being persecuted. Oh, did you get those two things? It works out in a lot of different areas, but that's where it comes back to. It's suffering not getting your way. Suffering not yielding to your flesh. It's suffering being persecuted for identifying so completely with Him and obeying Him. And it's not a feel sorry for me. I'm suffering attitude. If, you're, if that's the way that you feel about it, you're not qualified. You're not worthy. I mean, Olympic athletes that are reaching for the goal. We just saw the games in China a while back. Do they want you to feel sorry for them because they've trained so hard? No. How do they feel? They feel like it's worth it. 
right? It's worth whatever price and discomfort they've gone through to accomplish that goal, to reach that place. And if you're always talking about how deprived you are and how you've laid everything down for Jesus, well, you don't qualify. You're not worthy. No, you got to feel like this. That all the sufferings of this that are involved in this are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Feel sorry for me? Are you kidding? You ought to come on and want to be like me. (laughs) I'm talking about those that are really being disciples of the Lord. Sure, there's some discomfort every day working on yourself, putting your flesh under, not getting your way, being instructed. Being corrected hmm? <laughs> reminds me years ago as a boy in martial arts school. Oh, boy, our instructors were old school. And uh, no pads, concrete floors. And they'd show you how to do it and show you how to do it. And if you weren't getting it, you know, if you're not getting it, it's because you're not paying attention. They show you repeatedly and you're not, still not getting it. It's because you're not paying attention. And so... After a few times, it wouldn't show you anymore. You'd feel it. <laughs> He'd come a big arm. He'd come a big leg and sweep you and put you down on the concrete floor hard. Boom. So then you're supposed to jump up and say, thank you, sir. Why? They're helping you to remember. They're helping you to get it clear. Well, it requires some discipline. But it's good for you. I said it's good for you. Oh, we're in such a generation of whiny babies. It's pitiful. Whiny babies. Christians act shocked if they get corrected. Oh, is something wrong with that? Oh, oh, they corrected me. You probably needed five more. <laughs> I'm just being gracious to you. Come on now. Do we presume we have already arrived at Christ-like perfection here today? Then what do we need? We need instruction. We need correction. We need to change. And if somebody can help us to see it, we ought to be glad about it. And who needs this correction? Who needs this change? Everybody. Everybody. Are you serious about this or not? Then say it out loud. Lord, show me. me. Correct me. me. Instruct me. me. Help me. me. I want to be like you. I I know I need to change. I know a lot of things need to change. change. Show me. me. Help me. I won't act shocked. When you tell me what needs to be changed. I know it needs to be changed. So thank you for helping me. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Who needs this? Everybody. 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 Look over to your third chapter of John. We got some growing up to do, don't we? So many folks, bless their hearts. Get one correction a year. And you think somebody would 
eating their ice cream or something. I mean, they just <laughs> could hardly bear it. <laughs> well, at that rate, how long is it going to take them to become like Jesus? Whew. <laughs> Not enough time in this life. John 3, 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Lifted up. That has more than one meaning. Of course, it had to do with him being lifted up on the cross and him being the sacrifice. But also it just has to do with him being lifted up. John 12 gets into this. Turn over a few pages if you would. John 12, 32. John 12, 32 says... And I, Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, what would he do? I will draw all men, where? Where? Unto me. Drawn unto me. Again, more than one meaning here. More than one application. Also in Isaiah, don't turn there, but all this goes together. Just listen, Isaiah 62:10 Isaiah 62:10 He said go through the gates prepare the way for the people cast up the highway gather out the stones lift up a standard for the people Say that out loud that last phrase lift up a standard for the people a standard Jesus said if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto me. Of course, lift it up. That's up. And he's going to do what? Draw men where? To him. If he's up and he's going to draw you to him, then where are you coming? He's drawing you up. Oh, yeah. He's drawing you up. The scripture said, Isaiah, lift up. The standard. A standard, there's several different meanings for that word. A standard is an ensign, like a flag. The flag of a, a state or a nation or a city. But how many know a flag like our flag? You know, the stars and stripes. Doesn't just represent material and color. What does it represent? represents a standard. A standard of what? It represents what we believe. And think about a stand, stand, erd. What we stand for. Oh, can you see it? It's an emblem of what we stand for. What we hold precious and valuable and important. Let me read other definitions. Standard is a degree or level of requirement, excellence, or attainment. That which is widely recognized or employed as a model of authority or excellence. Standard. Do we have a standard? A disciple has a standard. What is that standard? The master. 
The scripture says this. Look, again, don't turn there. Just listen to it. Over in uh, Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy 12 and 8. He said, you shall not do after all the things that you do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. Judges 21.25. Judges 21.25 says a similar thing. It says, in those days... There was no king in Israel, and as a result, what? Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So where was the standard? Every man was his own standard. And what that can degenerate to is no standard. He said there was no king. How many know when you got a king... He's your standard. Do you have a king? Do you have a master? We got the king of kings. And he is the standard. Thank you, Lord. Think about no standards. No standard. No standards. Think about manufacturing even. Do you have to have standards in manufacturing? Why? If you want your finished product to be like the prototype, to be like the master, what people are buying, what they saw advertised, you're going to have to have some standards in machining, in sewing, in whatever the case might be. They're standards. If the stitches are, they got to be so close together. They got to be in the right place. If you, how many think you, you, the engine in your car, you'd like it to be to certain standards. If it's supposed to be within certain thousandths of an inch tolerance, half inch is not okay. Piston slapping around in there. You think, what happened? <laughs> Somebody didn't keep it to standard. Things are too tight. If they're too loose, it's not going to last you. You're going to have problems. It's going to smoke and use oil. It's going to rattle. Or it's going to be so tight you can't get it started on a cold uh, winter morning. Somebody say standards. 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 And what if all the workers are just free to do their own thing? And there is no standard. Then somebody's going to come in on a Monday morning and go, oh, that's good enough. Let her go. And it gets looser and looser and laxer and laxer until the finished product at the end of the assembly line doesn't even resemble what it's supposed to be. Doesn't even resemble the master that it's supposed to be a copy of. We got that in Christendom. We got that in the church world. Don't we? We got millions of folks that call themselves Christians. What's a Christian supposed to be? Christ I am. One like the Christ. And if you look in Acts, before there was such a thing called as a Christian, they were called disciples. It tells you in Acts that the disciples were first called Christians. Where was it? Antioch, I guess it was. Well, what were they called before that? Disciples. What is a Christian? Not just a believer, but a disciple. And yet we got millions of folk that are nothing like Jesus. And they'll look at you and go, well, so? I'm just a man. I never claimed to be just like Jesus. 
standards have been dropped and lowered and lowered and lowered. Some of the folks, you know, believers and followers of Christ from 50 years ago, if they saw how the church lived and talked today, they'd be appalled. They'd never use that kind of language 50 years ago. They wouldn't watch that kind of stuff 50 years ago. They wouldn't listen to that kind of stuff 50 years ago. What happened? The standards have been lowered. Lowered. And they keep getting lowered. Why? Every man doing what's right in his own eyes. I'm my own stand. Just leave me alone. Everybody do their own thing. And as long as we all believe on Jesus, it's all cool. Well, no, it's not. And, you know, you start talking about this not being okay and that not being okay. People say, oh, now don't preach do's and don'ts. Don't preach. That's bondage. That's legalism. Don't preach do's and don'ts. Well, then what do we preach? Do whatever. No, nobody's supposed to take any man's or woman's set of rules of what they think is right and wrong and impose it on anybody else. That's where people have gone wrong in times past. But is there a standard of right and wrong? Is there a standard of good and bad? Is there a standard? What is the standard? Jesus. And I know people talk about what would Jesus do. And I know I think I understand a little bit about their concept. But we don't just need to focus on theorizing about what he would do. We got a record of what he did do. And we need to compare every part of our life with what He did do. And we've got His Spirit in us to lead us every day to show us what He did do. And who He is. And what He is. And we're to hold ourselves to this standard. And to discipline ourselves like an athlete, like a soldier every day to hold to the standard. Are you with me now? Parents are to hold up the standard of Jesus. Teachers are to hold up the standard. Coaches, employers, business owners, preachers are to hold up the standard and not just talk about it, live by the standard. How many understand if you hold a life to the standard, there's a lot of things that are substandard, that are below standard. What does that mean? They are unacceptable. Unacceptable ways of thinking. Unacceptable ways of talking. How many understand lying is unacceptable? Can you see Jesus lying? Never. Never. Are we going to hold our life to the standard of Him? Then we cannot lie. Disobedience is unacceptable. Fornication is unacceptable. Jesus never committed fornication. Adultery is unacceptable. Are y'all with me now? See, we live in a world where everything's okay. Everything's all right. Anything's acceptable. It's all okay. Well, you're just a man. You're trying. And what people are saying is, I am nowhere near the standard of Jesus and never will be. So just accept me like I am. No, you shouldn't accept you like you are. We got quality control. Holy Ghost inspector. Looking at you on the assembly line. He takes you. He lays you beside Jesus. I sent him through again. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. We got to shave this off. (laughs) We got to add that. 
that all that's got to go away. No. Why? How many understand? Every day measured by him, measured by him, measured by him. And what's not like him needs to be taken out, cut off, pulled out, removed, burned out. Are you willing for that to happen? Is it going to take some radical change every day and every night? Is it going to keep happening week after week? Are you willing to do it? Or do you just want to be a weak believer and go to church once in a while and nobody say a word and leave me alone? And I know I'm not perfect, but neither are you. And don't tell me anything. We all can work out our own deal and just, you know, everybody do what they think is right. We have one standard, and it's the master. One. Somebody say, thank God for the standard. Say it again, thank God for the standard. Are you going to hold yourself to this standard? Your life, are you going to hold, hold it up for your children and your grandchildren? Is there right and wrong? Is there good and bad? Is there acceptable and unacceptable ways to think and talk and behave and live and do? What is the standard? Not some man's list of do's and don'ts. It's a man. The man. Christ Jesus. He's the standard. Go to Ephesians uh, 4 and get ready to shout. Ephesians 4. Is it possible to attain unto this Christ-likeness that we're talking about? When? In this world, I should say where, when is now, where is in this world? Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, great passage of scripture talking about how Jesus uh, descended into the lowest parts of the earth, not for himself, but for us, how he ascended up above all heavens, verse 9, 10. That he might fill all things. How he gave us gifts. Ministry gifts. For what reason? He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? For, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. That's us. That's you. That's me. Why? For the work of the ministry. For the building up. The edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come. In the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Are we headed there? Is it going on? Look at the Amplified on that. The Amplified. That it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith. Oh, can you see all of us growing up out of our pettiness, quit fussing and fighting amongst ourselves about dumb stuff, and y'all get on the same page and get to work and get to doing this thing. And in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. 
Oh, glory to God. Millions of Christians don't even believe it's possible. We're reading the Bible, saints. We're reading the New Testament. This is what we're called to. This is what we're capable of. Has Jesus set the bar high? Huh. Exceedingly high. Very, very high. But is it unattainable to us? No, no. I mean, in our own strength and ability, yeah, it'd be unattainable to us. But he gave us power to become the sons of God. If you say, yeah, but I've already fallen so short. I'm not like Jesus. We know that. You don't have to say it again. We know it. We know it. But by the blood of the Lamb, you can have all your failures and shortcomings washed away. You can start anew and afresh today. Yeah, and in and of your own strength and ability, you can't attain unto Christ's likeness, but you're not by yourself. He's given you the greater one inside you. He's given you help every day of your life. If you come short, He'll cleanse you. If you don't know how, He'll help you. Say, He's given me power to become a son of God. Oh, hallelujah. The New Living Testament says, measuring up. To the full and complete standard of Christ. Easy to read says to look just like Christ and have all his perfection. The English version says reaching to the very height of Christ's full stature. The complete English says we will be completely like him. Oh stand on your feet. Lift up your hands. Thank Him for the ability. Thank Him for the power. Thank Him for the blood. Thank Him for the Holy Spirit. Thank Him for the standard. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.